G'day, welcome to On The Road, the number one Australian trucking podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. We're an independent voice in Australian trucking and proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer. G'day and welcome to the show. Caitlin Thomas is in today with Andy. We're going to play a couple of her tracks. NRFA Secretary Trevor Warner joins us. He's going to be having a chat with me about wages and medicals and a couple of other things that you might be interested in. Andy's back with me for the news. We've got Bob McMillan with something to talk about. It's only a couple of weeks to the HVIA Brisbane Truck Show. We're going to be there. Hope to see you there. Let's get this show on the road. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the On The Road program. <laughs> G'day, Andy here once again with another outstanding Aussie music artist to introduce to you. This week we're joined by a young lady who cites as her influences Cheryl Crow, Anne Wilson, Pat Benatar, Linda Ronstadt, Carrie Underwood, Shania Twain and Dolly Parton and that spirited, stylish and sassy attitude of those legendary artists is very evident in her style as she carries on the proud tradition of those who came before her. She began writing her songs at the tender age of eight and has gone on to well and truly establish herself as one of Australia's most promising new talents. She's brought home medals representing Australia at the World Championships of Performing Arts, performed in La Boheme with Opera Australia, and is a passionate ambassador for anti-bullying organisation Bully Zero. She's rocked the stage on Australian Idol, performed at the famous Bluebird Cafe and Honky Tonk Central in Nashville, as well as a host of festivals back home here in Oz. This lady has got a big voice, a big message to share, and she's making a big impact on the Australian music scene. Our special guest this week is the vocal powerhouse who is Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin, thanks for dropping by for a chat. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> now, I want to talk about your new single in just a moment. After all, that's what we're here for. But before we do, I just need to make an observation. Okay. That green Gresh Electromatic you're playing in the video is just gorgeous. It's absolutely beautiful. It's one of my friends, his guitar, and he's selling it. And so my parents have decided for my 23rd birthday coming up in August that they're going to buy it off him. So I actually get to keep the Gretsch that I played, which is very exciting. Oh, excellent. So it's just a beautiful guitar. And I've never held an electric guitar before. And that was the first time. And I, was, I fell in love. Well, clearly you did. And it looked very natural. When it comes to guitars, I don't know if you've heard this, we have a little equation we work with, and it's called N plus 1. Okay. It's where N equals the number of guitars you already have, and the plus one part is the part that means there's always place for just one more on an ongoing basis. I love that. Yeah, so I already have what my wife considers is way too many guitars, yep. but I can certainly see one of those gorgeous Greshes joining the family as a plus one in the future. Oh, definitely. Anyway, back to your music. Now we've sidetracked with that. Beyond your writing, recording and performing, which seems to be evolving and growing at a truly rapid rate, you also take out time as an anti-bullying ambassador, which has been a passion of yours for a long time. How did you become involved with Bully Zero and what's it all about? 
So I became an ambassador for Bully Zero when I was about 13 years old. Wow. Which is a long time ago. My goodness, it's been already nearly 10 years. And I was doing one of their fundraisers here in Victoria and the CEO of Bully Zero at the time, you know, we started talking and I told them about my story about being a victim of bullying. Mm. From there on, I became an ambassador for this foundation and it's a foundation and a cause that's so close to my heart and I absolutely love what they do. We go out into schools and workplaces to spread awareness about bullying and we hold workshops and we do a lot of collaborations just to get it out there into the community and into the global network. Yeah. And to being an ambassador for basically nearly 10 years now, you know, it's not a day that goes by that I don't support them and they support me, especially with my recent TV appearance. They've been absolutely incredible and they're a part of my family and it's a cause that I'm so thankful to be a part of and that I can actually make a change or be part of it. Yeah, good on you. Well done. Thank you. Now, truly back to the music. <laughs> we'll be listening to your brand new single shortly. This new song, the only way I can describe it, it it's an absolute kick-ass explosion of country rock. <laughs> it obviously sends a powerful message. What's the story behind it? Where did Pretty Little Thing come from? So Pretty Little Thing is a title that I've had for years and years, and I had a co-writing and production scheduled in with M Squared here in Victoria, so with Michael Painter and Michael Dallow. Yeah, great team. They're an amazing team. And, you know, we were having a chat and Pretty Little Thing came up and they both really liked that title. And we started talking about why I wrote that down, you know, kind of investigating why this title kind of existed. Yeah. And it came down to it's a female empowerment song and I'm one that's a big advocate for female music, female voices, all of that and Pretty Little Thing is a song that shines a light on the stereotypes that women face every day, especially in country music. Yeah. You know, we're told to look a certain way, sound a certain way, act a certain way. Yeah. And that's across all workplaces. But I just wanted to shine a light on that and tell everybody out there, not just women, that they don't have to conform to society's stereotypes, that as long as they're being authentically themselves, that's all that matters. And no matter what body shape or size, if you are truly 100% who you are, be unapologetic about it. That's what Pretty Little Thing is about, but it's also got a really great up-tempo kind of toe-tapping um, tune that goes behind it as well. So it works really good. Yeah, it certainly does. Well, it's a great message. It just happens to be delivered through an incredible song. So well done. That's brilliant. Thank you so much. What's the rest of 2023 holding in store for you, Caitlin? Obviously more touring and festivals, more writing and recording as well? Oh, definitely. So I've been in the studio with the M Squared Boys for about a year and a half now. So I've got a bunch of music that's ready to be released out into the big wide world. Fantastic. So there'll be a lot of single releases coming from me this year, heaps more gigs and those kinds of things because I've got an upcoming hopeful of an album coming out. Great. So I finally found producers and my sound. Mm which is great. It's taken a while and a few singles to get here and a lot of work, but I've been very thankful for everyone who's been along this journey with me to stick by me and you can kind of see all the threads that connect me as an artist, which is pretty exciting. Yeah, well, look, seriously, at 23, to have found your sound, there's a lot of artists that have been around twice that long and longer that are still trying to find their sound, so you've done well. Thank you so much. Now, the video for Pretty Little Thing has just been released today. Yes, it has. It's just been aired out onto YouTube and everything. So it's finally out into the big wide world, which is great. Yeah. I had a little teaser happen. 
but now it's actually out there. So people can, you know, just Google Caitlin Thomas, pretty little thing, and it will come up. Great. I snuck a preview myself, which I, it was very naughty, but <laughs> it's like being in the front row at the gig. I love it. Now, you mentioned the website. Yes. For keeping up to date with your music, where you're at, what you're doing, same for that? Yeah, so people can just type in Caitlin Thomas Official into Google and my website will come up, which is CaitlinThomasOfficial.com. And that's got all my socials, my mailing list. Yeah, so pretty much that's how they can keep up to date with everything that's going on with my music and everything. Fantastic. And that's K-A-I-T-L-Y-N for those like me that are spelling challenge, just to make sure you get it right. (laughs) Sadly, we're out of time for now, guys. Our guest this week has been the incredible Caitlin Thomas. Caitlin, thanks heaps for finding the time to come out and play on the road with us today. No, thank you so much for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure. Well, as promised, it's time to hear your brilliant new single. Would you be good enough as to introduce it for us, please? No worries. Well, ladies and gents, you're about to listen to my brand new single called Pretty Little Thing. If you want to have some flounder country diva, then you got me all wrong. Don't need no saddle to ride out on the trail. That's where I belong I need the freedom to roam, yeah, baby I ain't no princess, I'm a country lady I don't need a thing Cause I'm mud on my boots, yeah Give me the jeans, not the dirty dude I ain't no pretty little Hesitating with my heart on my
Kermy here from Trucking with Kermy. I listen to On the Road podcasts every week. And when that's done, you might like to pop over to Trucking with Kermy on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there. And in the meantime, take care of you. During the week, I had a very interesting phone conversation with a young bloke working up in Queensland. And I didn't know who to refer him to for his particular problem. Uh, so I referred him to Trevor Warner. Trevor Warner is now the National Secretary of the National Road Freighters Association. And I decided I'd get Trevor on to talk about this bloke's problem, but it's other problems that affect all of us. And as we get older, it's going to affect everyone in trucking, no matter who you are. So uh, welcome to the show, Trevor. Let's have a bit of a talk about medical issues and certificates of that, eh? Morning, Mike. Yeah, more than pleased to, buddy. Right, so I referred this fella to you, and he's got a he's got a family history of uh, some ADHD and and things like that, and he was having a little bit of drama with the physicians because no one knew what to do. We all know that medical issues can cause us problems, whether they're heart issues or sleep apnea issues, or you know, there are several other things. You can have missing body parts and you know, mental issues, even drug issues, and still be certified to hold your heavy license mate what are some of the pitfalls that people are having to deal with with this the uh 2023 mate and it's all about um keeping the insurance companies uh happy and and reducing the risk identifying uh, the risk and then reducing the risk to other road users uh it's an interesting one where it can range everything from uh, like like you say from um we're all going to be facing maybe cardiac issues or um, neurological issues. But each each one of these areas has a, has a specialist. So I guess under the, under the way they look at it now under the chain of responsibility is that a specialist needs to sign off an individual with that particular ailment to say, yeah, okay, um, we're, we're going to clear this driver. Uh, we think he's safe to, to operate that heavy vehicle and, and they'll issue you a... Uh, a, a document that you'll need to keep with you or give to your HR, even the even the police. Um, if the police pull you up and you're on dexamphetamine, they, they're going to hit the roof and you, yeah. you're going to have to have that letter there to demonstrate, hang on, no, no, it's all, it's all legit here, boys, calm down. Yeah. Well, the, the problem that we've got, I suppose, with any of this is that individuals' subjective opinions about what they may or may not think about particular issues has really got nothing to do with it. Each case should be uh, sort of basically decided on its own merit, shouldn't it, as an individual? Well, it, it does. It does. It needs it needs to be um, assessed by the individual's GP. And, and as long as that GP is happy with it, there was a case recently that I'm aware of um, where the GP said, look, that's that's out of my area. I'll need to refer you to, to a psychiatrist. Yeah. Um, now this particular driver I've known for a long time, and he's he's been on dexamphetamine or, or a similar substance for since all the time that I've known him. And um, his GP just passed him on to a specialist. The specialist uh, uh, assessed the situation and gone, yep, yeah, no worries, low dose, you'll be right, and gave him all the all the um, the, the required documentation to to cover him when he gets pulled into Marool and to lick the stick. The, the reality of it is, is that when I mean, if you just look at my case, for example, I've had a, had a heart attack, I've got a couple of stents, 
There's nothing to say oh, I won't have another heart attack at some point down the road, but I've got to jump through a heck, a heck of a lot of hoops to keep my, my licence. Any of these other medical conditions can be the same. As long as you can pass through the hoops, there's no reason why you shouldn't keep your licence and keep working, is there? Absolutely, mate. Yeah, yeah. And that's what it's all about. It's just checks and balances. Like, how many how many times have we, we heard accidents where someone's off their medication or they've got they've changed their medication and it's gone haywire? Mm. Um, everyone starts looking for answers. So they, they've implemented this, this regime of, of checks and balances to try and mit- mitigate that risk. And, um, you know, we might think it's silly. We might think it's, you know, it's over the top. But if, you're, if your family just got T-boned by some guy off his chops, you, you're going to want answers. So well, they, are, they've, yeah. but they've put this thing in place to, um, and we've just got to deal with it. Yeah. The checks and balances that we talk about, is a, a, a fundamental thing. The problem that we've got, and I'm, I'm pretty sure the, the problem that this young fellow that I spoke to earlier in the week who ultimately went to you, is the unknown, isn't it? I mean, here's a guy who's spent his whole life driving trucks pretty much, and now he's faced with the possibility of losing the job that he loves in this bloke's particular case because he loves doing what he does. He's got a great driving record. He hasn't had any issues at all. And he now, at the age he is, faces losing his job. And he's got to go and perhaps consider doing something else in his life. And there's not really much else that he wants to or is qualified to do. I suppose the pressure would be on someone like that to try and mask their condition or hide it because we don't want to go and answer the question. Sometimes the consequences can be you know, very much life-altering, can't they? Oh, absolutely. That'd be it'd be devastating um, for for anyone to, to be in that situation. You know, we've we've had um, fellow drivers where where I am that, that have had heart attacks and strokes and the and like you, like you just said, the hurdles that they've had to jump uh, is, is daunting for everyone. And uh, to take time out to um, to attend these things, that's a, that's another issue. And now you and I are over fifty. We've got to basically schedule that into our annual leave to yeah. get get to the specialist in a timely manner and uh, in a, well, I suppose, scheduling to be in the right place at the right time is, yeah. is the hardest thing for long-distance drivers. If you look at my situation, and, and I, don't know, I don't know about yours in particular, I can speak about mine, I've got to have a, uh, a fitness to drive medical for the uh, BFM. I've got to have a fitness to drive medical for New South Wales uh, Transport Department. And I've got to have a a doctor's review because of the requirement of the license. I've got to have a specialist review because I've got the cardiac issues. I've got to have an optometrist review because I've got glasses. To try and schedule all those things and make it all match up, oh, I've got I've got a medical for my dangerous goods license as well. So you, you've got to try and make all that make sense. It costs a small fortune to get all this stuff done and you know, the potential for tripping up anywhere along the line can be you know, quite expensive if you don't keep everyone happy. Indeed, mate. Indeed, and and you know if you've got to take um, several days off work to try and fit into those schedules, not only have you got the cost for the the medical, but then you've also got the the downtime and the, the process, as you, your favourite saying, the process becomes the punishment. Yeah, well, so it's you you, you would you um, if if you know if you're just living from paycheck to paycheck, you 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 wouldn't want these issues bubbling to the surface because it would just create a a whole new level of anxiety that you don't really, you may, or you may not want to actually deal with. I think COVID proved the point that we make 
decisions about our medical treatment based on what our financial needs are, don't they? Yeah, for sure, yeah. So we had people out there that went and had the jab, whether they wanted it or not, simply because if they had it, that meant that they could keep their job. And I don't think anyone can deny that that's true. Financial decisions were made. Uh-huh. And it becomes the same with uh, with guys who may be suffering, guys that are under 50, for example, that don't need to have a medical, or guys that are in states that don't have to have a medical. And they're not doing BFM or anything like that, so they don't have to go anywhere near a doctor if they don't want to. And they may start to have some some issues that are worrying them that they know about in themselves, but they won't say anything or do anything about it because if they do, they run the risk of it becoming bigger than being her. And as you say, oftentimes this is when they've got young families, they've got mortgages, they've got put a roof over the kid's head, they've got to you know, pay all the bills, the, you know, the new shoes and all that sort of thing. The last thing they need is you know, three, four weeks off work while they sort out some bogus medical problem. That, that, that's it, mate. Uh, all to get that piece of paper. It's And, you know, if, like you say, if you're on standard hours, you don't have to have a medical. But if you if you put those extra two hours in your book and get BFM accredited, you've you got to have a medical. Yeah. It's These are the processes that really that really uh, annoys me when it comes to, to road transport legislation because you could go to the gym for two hours in your rest break and that's fine but you can't go and load your truck yeah. in the in two hours and put that into your work diary without creating a whole new world of policy and procedure that you've got to comply with yeah it, it gets to a point where it's so overwhelming it becomes a nonsense and reality gets distorted well that's true i want to point out too that anyone that's listening to what we're saying now i am not in any way advocating that people should not have medical requirements or restrictions on their licences. I'm certainly not saying that. You know, what I'm saying is that there are a number of barriers to why people don't go and seek the medical help that they need. And, of course, this gets reflected in what happens later on in life. In my case, it, was, it took the form of a heart attack, you know, because I didn't, oh. I, I, I ignored the early signs. And I knew, yep. I, I knew what they were. I, I got no excuse, mate. I, you know, I was a nurse for a while. <laughs> you know, I, I knew what was, but it wasn't going to happen to me. You see, because I was ten foot tall and bulletproof, right? Yeah, uh, that's it. I'm the same. Unless I'm bleeding to death, don't don't take me anywhere near a hospital. That's right. That's right. Oh, it's one of those things. But mate. the um, I'm kind of the same, mate. Where I'm 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 conscious of what I eat and and what my body's telling me, and and I'll go to uh, I'll go and have an annual anyway. Yeah. Just to just to plug into the computer and see if there's any faults come up and. Um, and, and a quick diagnosis. Jesus, mate. Make sure everything's um, everything's ticking along fine. Plug me into a computer, I reckon. You like a Christmas tree, the Warner Lights. <laughs> mate, we'll take a quick break and we'll hear from one of our sponsors and we'll be back after the break with something different. There's nothing more devastating for a truck operator than to be involved in a serious road incident. We've all seen the impact of heavy vehicle accidents and at these times, when people are most vulnerable, it's critical that they have immediate support from a strong, stable, reliable and experienced organisation. NTI is Australia's number one truck insurer, the specialist you can count on to protect your transport and logistics assets, with the know-how to take control of the situation and the capability to reduce lost income by getting trucks back on the road again as soon as possible. Specialist products, experienced people, accredited repair and recovery networks and industry advocacy is what we do. It's our specialty and we've been doing it for more than 45 years. 
For more information, visit the website at nti.com.au or go to the NTI Facebook page. back with Trevor Warner, National Secretary of the National Road Freighters Association. You're wearing that hat today instead of the Driver's Advocate hat, mate. How are things going over at the Driver's Advocate page while we're at it? Oh, pretty steady. I've, um, I've had my head focused in um, more regulatory issues and and just getting the job done. I've been um, running a bit of produce to Melbourne and Adelaide lately, so that's that's kept me uh, that's kept me busy. Kept you entertained? Yeah, yeah, out of trouble. <laughs> How's the new these days, mate? I've been out there for a while. Um, I avoided most of it. I uh, I slipped in through Rankin Springs and come up through Narromine, so I missed mm. the bottom end of it. But mm. the the top end's a bit um, not too bad, I guess. Yeah, you want to be, you want to be careful, mate. They'll start calling you a rat runner. <laughs> what they that's what they call anyone that goes by an ultimate route these days. Yeah, uh, not. Yeah, not that not that I can run and hide in this Volvo, mate. I've got more I'm more trucking in this than um, I, I care to admit. Yeah, I know, mate. Truckies' wages now. I think that we're just about due to be coming up for a review somewhere along the line in the very very near future. Um, we've got some issues with the TWU at the moment where they're talking about uh, what our wages should be, and they're certainly happy to jump up and down about our baggage handlers and things like that. I know I've chatted with Michael Kane a few times. He, I believe he is you know, pretty much across a lot of the issues. But the TWU, you know, without putting too fine a point on it, we've had a, a, a different relationship with the, with the long-distance drivers and the TWU. National Road Freighters Association has signed a memorandum of understanding with the Transport Workers Union We've agreed to walk in the same direction on the issues we agree on, and I think that's a sensible path to take. Mate, where are we on this wages thing? What do you think's happening? I mean, we've got lots of stuff going on we can talk about here. Yeah, there is lots of things going on. The um, the legal legal team uh, and I have been in communication for quite some time. Um, we've got the, the typical four-year annual review that's... Um, happening at the moment and that's all of the the awards it's not just road transport there has been a bit of um, bit of a look into the what i just call the 38 award which is the um the road transport and distribution which covers all the all your local all the local drivers hmm. um they've had a look at that the long distance uh, operations um is still in the in the intro um but i've had long discussions with the legal team about it they were going to to run a work value case Right, um, and it's kind of there's been there's been talk in the in the Commonwealth area that truck driving now has become more than just a a, a non-skilled job. Mm. There's there's so many things that we've got to do. One of the um, gentlemen that represented Casa, I wasn't at this meeting, but a, a NRFA representative was, and he um, and he spoke up, and this was to address the driver shortage or potential driver shortage problem at the time. Is that we got a there's a lot of heavy vehicle licensed individuals in the country, but they're choosing not to drive trucks, and we need and we need to address that issue. Well, it's the same all over the world. If you talk to the guys from what the truck in the states and other fellows in Europe, mate, they will tell you the same thing. There's plenty of people around that have got the license to drive it, and they choose not to. Well, that's right. You know, our good friend over in the UK, Reverend Reverend uh, Simon, he uh, he was very pointed when he said that. Um, when when uh, 
when Brexit went down, yep. the condi- conditions that were being offered to truck drivers back in Europe was, yep. was far superior to the UK. So the um, the people, they just packed up and went home because the conditions were now better at home than they were abroad. And that, that just left the UK um, with a huge driver shortage problem. We're probably, we're probably the opposite, where we've got people coming into the country, not so much people leaving for better conditions in Australia. Um, but there's a few minor things that we, we should be addri- addressing, and which is I've, I've spoke to the, the legal team about it. Now, I'm still a TWU member mm. as well as NRFA because I can't afford expensive lawyers. Yeah. The NRFA is only a, a small thing and uh, and we, we do the best we can and we can't employ lawyers. So being a member of the union, you've got access to that legal team and you've got, as a member, you can say, hey, look, I'm being disadvantaged and and the membership criteria is like, okay, they've, they've got to listen to you. They can't just uh, hang the phone up. Yeah. So I've, um, I've pointed out a few things in the award that have been there for a long time. Um, one big one that I was only, only popped up the other day was um, the, the agreed distances needs to be, needs to be looked at because they've still got, they've still got us down that a truck driver can do Melbourne to Brisbane in 18.5 hours using yep. the new highway. Good luck with that. Good luck with that. Yeah, but if if um, if you're being paid on the on the hourly driving rate, which I'm not sure what it is off the top man, let's just say thirty five dollars. Yeah, it's thirty five dollars by eighteen point five hours. Yep. Even though it just took you twenty one and a half, they've still only minimum. They can still only pay eighteen legally pay eighteen point five hours. Yeah. So that that needs to that whole schedule needs to be addressed and and brought up into the into the modern modern time. We've got trucks, bigger trucks now that um, that have got a, a lower average speed, so that needs to be addressed into the into the kilometre rate yeah. if they're going to persist persist with that. Hopefully not, um, but that's a whole different argument to just the review of the current award. Mm. That's going to have that'll be a whole restructure. The way the kilometre rate's calculated, that needs to be um, if they were to reduce. The average speed from um, 88 back to back to 78, for example, um, the kilometre rate would be much higher than what it was. So they, they need to they need to modernise that part of it to reflect the, the bigger gear and the slower the slower average speeds. And I think if they do that, that's going to go a long way to making the kilometre rate more attractive. Well, you know my thoughts on the kilometre rate, mate. Wage theft. Is that that's the only only description for for the kilometre rate? Trip money, wage theft. Absolutely, yeah, that's right. And and the, the 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 chatter that I'm hearing out of out of Canberra, out of Tony Burke's office, is um, of course our good friend Glenn Stirl's been in there, and um, and one of the recommendations is they need to look at the kilometre rate. Well, and I've I've, I've got a suspicion that it's um, it's day day is numbered. Oh, that that'd be terrible, mate. I'd be heartbroken to see blokes actually getting paid for what they do. When there are a number of issues that we that we face, every single thing we do is measured by time. You know, we've got a logbook which measures our ability to work and supposedly manage fatigue uh, and be safe by time. Not kilometres, time. And there seems to be some forgetting that we've got trucks that go here and there and everywhere. Trucks do everything. Trucks carry everything. But somehow or another, uh, we forget that there are actual human beings doing the work and they're making... A decision to be there certainly no one's holding a gun to their head usually but 
they're trapped in their environment. We we physically can't change what happens. If we get stuck at Dubbo, we're stuck at Dubbo. It's as simple as yeah. that. We've got no choice to be there. We can't go anywhere else. You know, God knows there's no roadhouse at Dubbo, so you can't sit in the driver's lounge and watch TV. No, that's right. That's, you know? Hopefully they'll solve that one soon. But no, that, that's right, my God. Why Why is the long-distance operations, for example, hmm. um, there's something like 200 modern, modern awards. Why, yeah. why is the long-distance operation the only one that, that I'm aware of that, that doesn't pay weekend penalty rates? Well, doesn't pay penalty rates, period. Doesn't pay penalty rates, period. Yeah. But the kilometre, they, they've, they've added, the, the kilometre rating includes uh, a 30% loading, which is similar to a shift loading. Yeah. So if you, if you, work, if you, if you work nights, you're going to get that 30% shift loading. doesn't matter what you do. That's part of the standard entitlements. Mm. But when it comes to penalty rates, that's an entitlement that everyone else enjoys unless you're a long-distance truck driver. It's weird, isn't it? Somewhere along the line, I've I've got my own theories. I'll I won't I'll just keep them to myself. But there's been significant lobbying to to cut the the paycheck of the long distance truck driver to the least amount they've got to pay. It's showing in the um in the recruitment rates. Well, the problem that we've got is illustrated by a young bloke that you uh, came across there the other day, who uh, had got off to try long distance driving after driving local and discovered that the mongrel that he was working for didn't pay him for a short amount of, or not even a short amount, a good amount of distance from Mackay through mm-hmm. to Bowen or something, wasn't it? That's for, right. From yeah, memory. Right. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, the truck doesn't magically get from Mackay to Bowen. No. You, know, you don't just sort of you know, do a do a Barbara Eden and just blink your eyes and the bloody thing just disappears and goes there. It doesn't happen that way. Someone actually <laughs> has to fly the thing. And, yeah. uh, I mean, the employer is the one who should be paying you to drive it. It doesn't magically just just does my head in. I wish I knew who that company was because I would out them so fast. I really would. No one needs to yeah. be putting up with that sort of crap today. And we've got a few companies around Brisbane that that, that run plane plane mm, equipment that yeah. you just wouldn't you wouldn't know who they are. Yeah, there's a reason for that. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. That's it. And any anyone that goes there tends to work out pretty quickly what what the story is. Oh. But that it's just it's just talking about things that do your head in. Mm. You sit there and you and you read through transcripts of Fair Work Commission conversations, debates. Yeah. yeah. And and you you listen to what the, the the spin that these lawyers put on it, and you just go, but that's that's not right. That's that's complete and utter fantasy. Yeah. And yet these commissioners, who probably wouldn't know a gear stick from a dipstick, yeah. just just take in what what's being said and they make a decision. Yeah, well. um, whether the decision reflects reality or fantasy, uh, they they've got no idea. So we, we've we've allowed this body of law to build up where it's almost as I found a couple of years ago, um, is almost impenetrable. You can put mathematics in front of a commissioner, but then there's transcripts and there's decisions that's made over the last 30 years Mm. that disregards common sense mathematics. And we're all back to this dogma again where where the kilometre rate is is the go-to, be-all and end-all way to pay drivers. Yeah, well, you've only got to look at it. Our old mate Jeff Sullivan has has said several times, and I agree with him, right? If you're driving a bigger truck... You might be getting paid a few cents a kilometre more for it, but because of all the work that's involved in loading the extra trailer or hooking it together or whatever, and then the overall loss of uh, speed that you have on the trip, you know, you, you might be paid a few cents more, but is it worth it to work an extra two hours for $5? Because that's what it comes down to often. 
That is exactly what it comes down to, yeah. Yeah, that's right. So what are you driving the thing for, your ego, or to make a quid to put the roof over the family's head? I reckon you're right with the first thing, mate. Yeah, well, I and that's, that's all it is. You know, it's all, um, there's lots of things that people do that we sit back and go, well, we've been there, we've done that. It's not as romantic as what people think. Yeah. Whether it would be that an owner driver or be that a road train driver. Yeah. Um. You know, I was in Melbourne the other day trying to find a, a trying to find a to park somewhere to park a twenty six meter B double. Yeah. Uh, I ended up illegally parking in a in a side street. That's the best I could do. And of course, then if it goes sideways and something goes wrong, uh, you're the man that's on the spot. The low hanging fruit. You're the one that gets the blister. And the boss goes, mm-hmm. "What did you park there for? It's got mm-hmm. nothing to do with me. That's on you." Yeah. And that's the school lunches out of the kids for the, for the next month. That's right. It's ridiculous. Yeah, suppose right. we better wrap it up, Trev, before I go off my trolley. <laughs> Thanks for giving me a few minutes, Julie, and uh, I'll uh, I'll see you in the soup, Trev. Stay safe out there. Will do, mate. I'll see you at the truck show in a couple of weeks. You will indeed. You will indeed. You'll find me, mate. I've got to wear a QR hat there for one day, so you might I might be in disguise. I'll put me put me sunnies on, mate. You might not recognise me. Okay, I think I've I think I've got a Hubfleet EWD shirt I've got to wear at some point oh, as well. Oh dear, oh dear, I've got to speak to that guy too. Right, oh mate, take mm. care. Catch you later. See you, buddy. Bye. Cheers. I'm Brad from Copperline, and you're listening to On the Road Radio and Podcasts. Hi there. Uh, I've re- referred before in um, some previous something to talk about that uh, about uh, the tin shed and telephone freight forwarders back in the 60s, 70s and early 80s. One I referred to had a couple of line haul trucks of his own, but many of them didn't. And that was uh, one of the faults that you could find in them because not knowing to, uh, not having a truck of their own meant the real cost of running a truck meant nothing to them. Further to uh, my comments last week, um, I've been sort of wondering how uh, this top-down approach might work and um, some emails have turned up this week and some uh, items in the uh, news feed from a, uh, an organisation called Truckit and they advertise their wares uh, in, in a pretty uh, interesting way and, of course, the first thing they're saying is that they can save the consignors or shippers as they're called in America and sometimes on these websites that I'm about to talk about, you can save the consignors or the shippers money. With absolutely no uh, reflection whatsoever of the fact that costs only ever go up. They never seem to come down. Anyway, these people are going to be a problem if they are not already. I did a bit of a search and um, these modern day digital tin shed and telephone freight forwarders or whatever you want to call them are growing in number and I can see at least 10 or 11 maybe in Australia right now just by doing a bit of a casual search and I'm not as good at that sort of thing as the tech guy or even Mike but they're concerning because they all seem to be modelling themselves on the uh, on the American model of the of the freight brokers and there's big issues in America at the moment you only have to look at the last couple of uh, Editions of Overdrive to see that uh, there's all sorts of stuff going on over there about brokers, lack of tr- transparency. The government's trying to step in and, and regulate these people, but they're getting a lot of resistance and um, uh, it's just a total minefield over there. We need to do something about these people in Australia before it becomes the same minefield. And it goes back to uh, what I was saying about, you know, offers being put in front of people that uh, 
maybe feel a need to accept them when probably they shouldn't. How these people can be roped into uh, my ideas last week of declaring costs um, is a little bit complicated, but what I do feel needs to happen is that these people need to be uh, roped into the chain of responsibility very smartly. And the other thing that needs to happen is that the chain of responsibility needs to work from the top down, not the bottom up, because it seems to get to the drivers and the dispatchers and maybe the odd uh, um, accreditation manager, and that's where it stops. The whole show is a bit of a mess at the moment, and uh, there's Michael Kane and his friends at the TWU and David Smith and the, some of the great people in the ATA and the N- the uh, Nat Road and the NRFA and all the other uh, organisations that want to make a difference, they should get their heads together about this and get on with it and uh, do something about it before it festers like a bad sore and uh, you can't put Band-Aids on a boil and expect anything to happen and uh, that's what's in front of us if we don't act now. Thank you for listening. Talk to you later. Just a note to explain what's going on on the podcast feed because I've had a few questions asking me, hey Mick, what's going on here? All right, what's going on? Most of you, I'm sure, are aware that we now have the radio stream running as well. 24-7 digital stream. You download the app from iTunes or from Google Play and you can listen to the music and listen to the shows. We've got Uh, a couple of other podcasts that we play on that stream. We've also got music, we've got requests we play on the stream, but we're doing a couple of live shows as well. One show we've called The Saturday Session, which we're doing of an evening of a Saturday night from about 7 through to about 10, whenever we sort of start to wind it down. Craig Yogi and I get there and have a bit of a chat and, you know, people call in, we play a bit of music, have a beer, have a bit of a chat. No holds barred, we'll talk about anything. And then on a Wednesday night, we're doing a Wednesday night live show as well where we talk to a guest. Now that depends on which of the three of us, Yogi, uh, Craig and I, are available. We need Craig at the moment to be available all the time for these shows because he basically functions as a producer. And you can call in, and the number to call in on, if you want to call in and participate, is 0491. 825 That's 0491 So since they're podcast productions, we decided to put them in the podcast feed. They don't have episode numbers. They have a day and a date. They're only really current for the, the week that they're played, if anything's topical in them, you know, and they're, they're right at the time they're played. Apart from that, it's just a conversation. could be anything. Last uh, show, for example, the Wednesday night show just gone, we had Greg Casey. Now, Greg is a former highway patrol officer who's doing a PhD in policing at Western uh, Sydney University, and he wants truck drivers to participate in the study. I'm going to do that. I think it's a great thing. So this is what what we're trying to do. You can participate in the Wednesday show if you want to, or the Saturday show if you want to. Put them up in the feed. You can listen to them while you're at work or, or whatever you want. So that's all that's happening. The regular podcast shows obviously will be going ahead and they're the ones that are numbered and the live shows you know, are day and date. Pretty straightforward. If you've got any questions, of course, shoot me an email, give me a call on my number, 0418 But download the app, have a listen to the radio stream, see how you go. 
We're going to be up at the Brisbane Truck Show recording live up there. If you want to catch up with Yogi, Craig or I, we are going to be there. Yogi will be at the Next Journey stand with Simon from Next Journey. And uh, I'll be floating around. I'll obviously be up at the Plough Inn there with uh, NTI who are sponsoring the bar there. That's where I'll be hiding. That's where you'll find me. I'll be the bloke in the sling. But uh, we've got some interesting news for the truck show. We'll be doing some live interviews and, and things like that for the radio show and for the podcast. By the way, for those of you who are interested in a little bit of radio comedy, uh, we've got Chicken Man. Yeah, I remember it when I was a kid. It was as funny as hell. Anyway, we've got some rights to that. So we're going to start playing Chicken Man every day, a couple of times a day. You'll be able to find that and have a bit of a laugh. I think it's funny anyway. And we are going to be playing some John DeRemus, a thing called The Passing Parade, which was also done. There's like a thousand episodes of it. Little short cameo stories of historical things. We're going to add that in and play that as well. We've got some rights to play that. And uh, news on the hour on the radio stream. So as I said before, you download the app, you go to iTunes, search for Australian On The Road Radio, and you'll see the icon there, which is the, the road and on the road radio there. Download that one, and basically all you do is hit play, and it'll just play the radio stream. And the other one you can get is a Google Play, which is just on the road radio so you can get that one and play it it's got shout out features we're going to have a digital magazine that's going to be going on there there's a whole raft of stuff we're working on here at on the road so keep your eyes peeled as i said some big news coming up at the brisbane truck show you will be amazed let's get on with the news here on the road it's time for the news g'day mike how are you, mate? Doing all right. Hey, listen, you said we should call this week's news the alternative fuel news. Were you serious or just fueling around? <laughs> no, I was just fueling around, mate, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, I know you've got your finger on the economic pulse. Mm-hmm. What's happening with fuel prices? Well, they're a bit all over the place at the moment. The diesel price has sort of come back a little bit. The AdBlue price, of mm. course, has stayed a little bit higher than we'd hoped, and uh, there are still mm. some issues there, of course. But, yeah. Why do you ask, mate? Oh, I went to fill up the ute at, the, at my local survey yesterday yeah. and the bloke next to me at pump number three put 10 bucks of fuel in his car. Yeah. I asked him how far he was going. He said to pump number five. <laughs> That's about bloody right too, isn't it? <laughs> it is. Well, I was just there getting petrol for my mower. But then I looked at the price of it and I figured it was probably cheaper to run the mower on vodka. <laughs> probably would probably run just as well too. Yeah, well, now my grass is half cut. Oh, no. <laughs> Even my son got robbed at his local survey the other day, and when he called the cops, they asked if he got a good look at the robber, and he said, yeah, it was a short white guy with one arm, goes by the name of Pump 7. That's him. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Oh, man. On with the news. Leading up to the Brisbane Truck Show comes the news that Australia's first hydrogen fuel cell prime mover is to be unveiled at the show on May 18. Yeah, I'm actually looking forward to having a look at it and I'm actually wanting to see how I'm going to go climbing up into it. I've watched the video of the thing mm. um, that they've got there that's out and about on the uh, 
on the public domain at the moment. Pure Hydrogen have developed this thing in uh, partnership with Pepsi. So it's mm. an interesting looking truck. It's it's like nothing we've ever seen before. It's a very American oh, shape. Yeah. You know, it's uh, it's uh, well, it's not going to win any you know, great stakes in the in the pretty views with the viewers, but uh, the live demonstration, they think that they've got the thing running and it's going to be ready for the truck show. Interested to have a look. It's got some little stairs that come out the side with the electric door. and Very it cool. All, it all looks fairly narrow to me, mate. I, I don't think they've talked to very many truck drivers when they've designed the cab, getting in and out mm -hmm. of the cab, but anyway. You might have to duck over to the Toyota stand and borrow a forklift to get that. <laughs> <up in there. laughs> yeah, no, they've got the steps that come out and, and sort of, you can sort of walk up, but I mean, uh, there's no handrail or anything like that. There's a handrail mm. inside the door where the door opens, and I, and I watch the guy getting in and out, and I, you know, when you're looking at the video, you've got the luxury of going backwards and forwards a few times, and I noticed that he's uh, he's reached in and he's grabbed the back edge of the of the door, which sort of, you know, it's like it pops out like on the side of one of those. Uh, camper vans, you know. Oh yeah, yeah. And it sort of slides forward, and and uh, so he's reached on the back edge of that. So I'm wondering how long the hinges will stand up for that sort of thing if yeah. it's a bloke my size. Yeah. Um, and it's all obviously it's got the uh, the electric uh, LED uh, mirror units like the Actros, and mm. you know, it's all cutting edge technology. It all looks lovely. Yeah. Um, and I look at the front of it and I think to myself, yeah, we're going to drive that around in the cities doing deliveries or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, how long did, How long is it going to be before one of these things punts someone up the bum? And they've got um, virtually nothing, just some plastic bumper bars, you know. That, uh, nothing in front of them, yeah. You know, I mean, it all looks nice and it's all aerodynamic and it all looks lovely and I'm sure it'll work fabulously and all the rest of it. I just wonder how it'll go in the real world. Can yeah. we have a look at the truck show, mate? We'll see what happens, I suppose. We are looking at these technologies. It's going to happen. You might have to practice your abseiling skills before you get down there. I might have to do something. It's, uh, it's certainly nosebleed material getting into the thing, that's for sure. Well, Mike, from the land of cowboys, Indians and antique presidents comes the news that the Californian <laughs> Air Resources Board will now require all new medium and heavy-duty vehicles sold in California to be zero emission by 2036. Oh, man, they've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, haven't they? Mm. It's just... Oh, look, I, I don't know how they're ever going to do it. Uh, you've, you've only got to look at the comments that have been made by some of the people on social media about this announcement. Mm. Um, once again, it's one of these things that's all been done with the very best of intention and they reckon we're going this way. But in order to meet their their standards, that means that they're going to have to build 400 heavy truck charging units every month just to be ready for the time the mandate takes effect. Yeah. 400 charging units every month. Mm. They've got no chance. It's just not going to happen. Not like America's a big country or anything. No. God, no, no. California's not even a big state. No. Nah. I mean, but look, it just strikes me as crazy. There are businesses over there that have spent millions trying to comply with the emissions laws that California has in place. There mm. are trucking companies, and I've spoken to truck operators from across the US who simply won't run into California because of the prices that uh, they're having to pay to comply with the emissions laws in California. Now, I suppose our listeners will be asking, why the hell are we talking about what's happening in California? 
Well, the reason we're talking about what's happening in California is because this is the way they've chosen to go. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, we tend to go the way they go over there. Yep. And you look at the uh, push that's from the ATA and, and various people, and our stories in the news today you know, verify the fact that we're heading down this uh, emissions-free, supposedly free path. These are the sort of things that we're going to be looking at. We really should be learning from the mistakes they're making. Of course, we know we don't have a history of doing that. So mm-hmm. the state plans to spend nearly $3 billion US dollars between 2021 and 2025 for zero-emission truck incentives and fueling infrastructure uh, okay. for their $9 billion zero-emission vehicle package, apparently. Yeah. Gavin Newsom, the governor, thinks it's all a great idea. And, of course, you know, as long as he's not paying for it, I suppose he doesn't really really care. But uh, the rhetoric's not being matched by the technology. Same here. The rhetoric's not being matched by the technology. I mean, you've only got to look on the holidays here when people go out of Melbourne northbound in their Teslas and they get to Albury and after having done 300 kilometres, decide that they need to charge these things at you know, at the service station there, and there's a queue 20 cars long waiting for a couple of charging stations. It just doesn't yeah. work. It doesn't yeah. work. Mm. So there you go. Well, that's California for you. If you remember the old mini moke Californians, remember them? Mate, I, I, I got arrested driving one of those in Hawaii. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sure it had nothing to do with the car. But... No, it had nothing to do with the car. So... It's the crazy a thing it's a... was the only place in the world you couldn't legally register them was in <laughs> California. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> oh, man. It's long time. Only in America. Only in America, mate. Yeah. Mike, with the intensity of growing discussions about zero emission trucks, yep. it seems one thing is becoming clear, and that is that current axle load limitations may completely thwart efforts to decarbonise the industry if they're not addressed. Yeah. And this is where we have the industry talking about the axle load limit issues that we have and the road construction issues that we have here in Australia. Everyone knows we're a big country and it's a long way between drinks in Australia. Hmm. So we've adopted the cheapest possible uh, road construction method that you can have, and that's spray-sealed roads. Uh, yep. You know, And the fact is that you know, they do a great job. They're cheaper and easier to build than other road surfaces. We've got big, long stretches of cement highway on the Yume, for example. We've got those beautiful asphalt roads up there on the east uh, east coast north of Sydney. Um, but heading out, once you head out west and, and places like that, we end up with our spray-sealed roads. And you've only got to see what happens to you drive across the Hay Plains and it's like you know a roller coaster ride across there. Yeah, We cannot afford to build the roads that will support the uh, higher weight limits. And in the, in the UK and Europe, I believe the weight limit's up around 11 tonnes for a steer, a steer axle. Mm. So we just can't support that here. We get seven. Uh, we can do seven. And we seem to be able to do that on a 375 steer tyre pretty pretty well with a you know reasonable load distribution. But I can't see us going much further than that. And I really do think that when we look at our friends at Janus, what they've done, and the fact that they seem to have solved the problem pretty much uh, better than anyone, I think, mm. and anyone that wants to come in. Look, I understand that uh, the zero emission trucks, and we could have a conversation about whether they're zero emission or not. I think that uh, 
Janus have solved the problem and they've once again done it with that FH16 that they've got about to start running down, down in South, South Australia. Australia. Yeah. I mean, I think that uh, the other manufacturers need to be a little bit realistic and say, well, this is the way to solve the problem. Perhaps mm. we might need to adjust what we do rather than try and adjust what the country does. You know, there's a, there's a lot of arguments to be had. They want to change the rules, and I'm, I'm sure they do. And, and if you look at what people like the ATA are saying about uh, ultimate fuels and electric trucks, they're behind the idea. But someone's mm. got to pay for the roads. That's the issue. Someone is. has to pay. Um, if you're interested in finding out more about this story, you can go to an article called Under Pressure, which is regulated axle load limits. It's by the HVIA's Chief Technical Officer, Adam Ritzinger, and it's in their tech files on the HVIA website. Yeah. Good song, too. It is. Great song. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> Who was that? David Bowie and... Oh, Freddie Mercury. The Queen, wasn't it? Freddie Mercury or... Freddie Mercury, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. I'm pretty sure they weren't talking about electric trucks, though. You'd never know. They were well ahead of their time. Make video footage from a dash cam currently doing the rounds online show the frightening moment a Ferrari valued at over 600000 caused a three-car pileup in Victoria. Yeah, man, it's unreal. It was a big hit, too. Did you, have you watched the video? Oh, yeah, not something you see every day of the week. No, no. not at all. It's just a clear-cut case of someone driving beyond their skill and ability, though, isn't that? Confusing their ambitions with their abilities, yeah. Indeed. You plant the foot in one of these things. Now, this is a Ferrari SF90 Stradale Spider. So, look, you can just go down the milk bar and buy one of these things. Yeah, a little shopping trolley. Yeah, why not? $600-odd <laughs> and he's turned it into scrap metal. Mm. He shot down the road, give it a big bootful. Lost it, started to lose the arse of it sideways and thought, oh, no, I better hit the brakes. Hit the brakes. Shot under this great big Nissan Navara. And it's a pretty well-kitted Nissan Navara too, if you have a look at the video. It's got the bars yeah. and all the four-wheel drive kit on it. Yeah. Flicked it up into the air and it's landed on top of a Subaru Impreza. Yeah. Think about what it would have been like for the guy sitting in the Impreza just watching this crap unfold in front of him and knowing that there was nothing he could do about it. Yeah. How, and how is that? You should be sitting there thinking, oh, how cool. <laughs> Hang on, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I tell you what, I just looked at it and I thought to myself, oh, my God. The mm. the thing is, it looks like uh, this thing had been seen earlier in the day and they'd taken some pictures on it. It was on the car spotting Facebook page in Melbourne and mm. saying how cool it was and how rare it was and we hope to see it again on the road. Well, now she's on wrecked exotics. Yeah. So, and one of the one of the comments on it was this: I thought this was a joke, but it's not. And I'd be spewing if I'd crashed a Ferrari. One of them said, "Well, I'll tell you what. I hope he's got his insurance paid up because that's going to hurt." Oh yeah. Well, it sounds like he could be the same sort of guy as my neighbour. Mm. He's got a Ferrari, a BMW, a Tesla, and an Aston Martin. Oh right. Yeah, his wife reckons he's got the coronavirus. <laughs> But anyway. Oh, dear, oh, dear. That's nearly as bad as the crash. <laughs> oh, mate, that's the news anyway. Yeah, well, our thought for the week, mate, comes okay. from Norman Vincent Peel, who said, empty pockets never held anyone back. Only empty heads and empty hearts can do that. Oh, mate, where do you come up with this stuff? That's brilliant. Yeah, it's this thing called the internet. <laughs> Very clever. <laughs> Yeah, 
was I thinking that you were just dwelling it up from your education as a young man at school? Yeah, I can't remember those days very well. It was a while ago, wasn't it, for both of us? Going back a bit, yeah. Well, mate, well, take care of yourself. Enjoy the bike. Beautiful weather yeah, for it. Yeah, will do. All good. And I look forward to well, I look forward to catching up with you at the truck show, mate. Only fourteen more sleeps. Yeah, it is. It's getting close. Indeed. Right out. See right. ya. See ya, mate. April 1979 and a cast of thousands of disillusioned truckies were making history, setting up a series of blockades the likes of which had never been seen before and most likely will never be seen again. Led by Ted Green Dog Stevens and a small band of dedicated individuals, this massive wave of protest against unreasonable working conditions, unfair pay rates and unjust laws spread like wildfire from its home base atop Razorback Mountain. Razorback, The Real Story is the book written by Ted Stevens that chronicles the dramatic days of the blockade, the battles with politicians and the media, and that time in history when truckies around the country united in a powerful force and said, enough. Razorback, The Real Story has now been made into a beautifully produced audiobook, available for purchase at ontheroadradio.com.au Whatever you do, don't miss out on this incredible opportunity to discover all the facts and details of the Australian trucking legend that is simply known as Razorback. Line number one, you're supposed to have it all together. And when they ask how you're doing, just smile and tell them, never better. We just wanted to stop by for a moment and say, G'day, how are you? No, I mean, how are you, really? Physical and mental health is a significant issue for the Australian road transport and logistics industries. Risk factors like long hours, workplace isolation, pressure to meet deadline deliveries and the need for continual alertness all contribute to making us vulnerable to physical and mental health issues. As much as it might feel that way sometimes, you are not alone. There are some incredible people and organisations in our industry whose sole focus is on helping you to stay healthy in body, mind and spirit. All these numbers and addresses are listed on our website at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Take care of yourselves. We really just want to see everyone get home safe and well. You heard from her a little earlier with her new single, Pretty Little Thing. Here's Caitlin Thomas once more with Make Your Move.
Proudly brought to you by NTI, Australia's leading transport and logistics insurer, and Queensland Rail, committed to improving safety through engineering, innovation and education. Play nice with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. Bye-bye. The team here at On The Road believe in the right to free speech, and whilst we might not always be in agreement with the views of our guests and contributors, we support their right to hold and express those opinions. Mm-hmm.